1: Hi, friends, and welcome to The Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm really excited that you're here with us. It's our second show of 2023. Every time we start a new year, I just think, what a great thing that this is my job. I love bringing conversations to you as a listener that I think are going to push you to love God more. They're going to push you to love people better. You know, I say it all the time. I love stories and I think stories truly do change the world. Our guest today is Erica Anderson. And in fact, if you listen to the end of the year episode where I invited all of my co-workers on, uh, Ashley a Minor, who works on the Happy Hour, she actually read Erica's book after this show, her first book, not even the book we talk about today, and listed it as one of her favorite books of the year. So Erica Anderson is joining me today. Erica has a book that comes out in a couple weeks. It comes out January 17th. It's called Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. Erica shares on the show today that 16 million American women have left the church in the last decade. Let that sink in for a minute. 16 million American women. You probably know women who have left the church. You might be a woman yourself who has left the church. Today, Erica and I talk about a lot of the reasons that would cause women to wanna to leave the church, what keeps us from the church, But most importantly, we talk about why we should return to church. Uh, We talk about why the church is important for us, why we need the church. And I really ask Erica just to encourage us. If you're a woman that's listening and you have left the church, I really want you to lean in and listen to Erica as she encourages us. Guys, two things before I get to my conversation with Erica. First of all, next week, our Ivy Media Podcast course, it's called I'm a Podcaster, it launches. It goes live twice a year. Next week, it goes live. If you've ever thought about creating your own podcast, I wanna tell you that we have a great resource to help you that. Go to jamieivy.com slash courses. You can read all about it and it opens up next week. I'd love for you to be a part of that. Second, I wanna tell you, if you didn't hear Wednesday's episode, my friend Jackie Hill Perry joined me and she interviewed me. Uh, I cried. I got very vulnerable. I talked about things that I didn't want to talk about publicly because Jackie pulled it out of me. Uh, it's just a really great conversation. I always love when I get to talk to Jackie and this show, I'm on the other end. I'm not the person in control. Jackie was. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. Friends, I hope you have a great Friday. I hope your January has started out well. Here is my conversation with Erica Anderson.
2: Uh,
1: Erica, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie this is your first time on the happy hour. So you're like first time party, first of the new year. We're like making 2023 amazing already.
2: Yes. And Jamie, I have to tell you, I have listened to episode one. So this is a long time coming for me. Wait, you've been listening to the happy hour forever? (laughs) I've been listening since about episode 20, but I did go back and listen to all of them. So I'm I'm a hardcore fan here.
1: (laughs) This makes me so happy. Uh, Well, thank you. Um, Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And so I'm super excited to have you on the show today. So introduce yourself to all of our listeners since you're a happy hour listener. So tell all the other listeners about yourself.
2: Absolutely. It's so fun to be here uh, talking to the listeners. My name is Erica Anderson. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana with my husband, Rick and our kids, Abby and Jacob. They're four and seven. Life is never dull. I am a freelance writer and a podcaster and just doing too many things at once all the time, but have this passion for the local church. And that's what my book's about. And um, I guess that's it to get
1: started. I love it so much. So, about your book. So, you, this is not your first book. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, tell us about your first book.
2: Sure. Yeah. My first book is called Leaving Cloud Nine The True Story of a Life Resurrected from the Ashes of Poverty, Trauma, and Mental Illness. There's a lot packed into that subtitle, um, and that was just an amazing opportunity where I got to write um, the memoir of my husband's life, um, and then kind of I came in in the middle. But he grew up in severe trauma and poverty and addiction um, in Arizona, and his story of overcoming and redemption and coming to Christ uh, when he was about thirty years old um, is is absolutely incredible. And it is one of those things where you go only God. Mm -hmm. And I have never seen a miracle more clearly than I have watching my own husband's life transform. And so we were lucky enough to be able to write this book. It it, it was a crazy story that we even got the opportunity, but um, it was published. It's out there. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback from people who really resonate
1: with what he went through. That's amazing. Well, your newest book comes out um, in like eleven days from when you're listening to this, guys. And the book is called "Reason to Return: Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women." And uh, first of all, really intriguing. By I was really intrigued by your title, so it came through the office, and I was like, "Well, yeah, I want to talk about that, and I want to read about that." Um, because I'll just jump right in. You you cite in your book that 16 million American women have left the church in the last decade. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I want to say, Erica, I read that and I thought that's staggering and alarming. And where are all these women going? And I've always thought like there's more women in church than men. And so a lot of things are going through my brain. And so I want to start as we talk about this is what even led you to write this book? Why was this an important message for yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I went to a church or still my church, and my pastors were really involved in church planting. And I had never been a part of that before, but I got really interested in it. And this led me to do some research on church in general, which even though I had gone to church my whole life, I had not studied up on the research. And so I started going down the rabbit hole of data and research, which I'm a huge data nerd. Uh, so, so that's where I was. And I'm also a freelance writer. So I was writing articles on some of these things and I came upon that statistic about women leaving the church and a couple of others like it. And I was like, hold on a second. I feel like I'm not hearing this mm. um, because as you're right, women do generally more of them go to church, more of them, you know, say their faith and relationship mm. with God is more important to them, but that is where things are changing. And mm. so what we're seeing is um, while men have traditionally left in much higher rates, that gap is closing between men and women now as time goes on. And so I thought that was pretty disturbing, pretty concerning. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to dig into it and find out why is this happening? And is there anything we can do to draw these women back to a body of believers that I know is good
1: for them? Mm. You know, it makes me think that if we can say, you can correct me on the data here because I have no data except for just experience, that I would say that we both said it that predominantly in history, church has been filled with more women. Like we even see like more women going to the mission field. Actually, you know, it's just been predominantly women. And so, if it's closing the gap, is it? Can we say then that the gap was so wide? Now more women are leaving that the gap is getting smaller because there were more women to start with. Is that kind of what we're feeling? Yeah,
2: yeah, that could be. That's part of it too, for sure. Um, but just the rate at which they're starting to speed up and leave, that's where, you know, I'm going, well, it's not happening with men at the same mm. rate. So why women? And of course, I dive into a lot of those reasons um, and we can get into that. Uh, but um, I think, you know, it was just so striking. And I was sitting there when I found that that statistic. And I all of a sudden, I just felt like God told me, like, this is the book. Like, I'd kind of been thinking about what my next book was going to be. And I hadn't landed on anything. It didn't feel right. But I remember sitting at my kitchen table and seeing that. And I was like, that's it, that's it. And so that was over two years ago and it's been a journey, but finally here we are. And then COVID happened. And honestly, the information in this book and what I'm talking about is even more relevant now simply because wow. we all know what has happened with church attendance in the midst of COVID. For sure. COVID.
1: For sure. Okay, well, then let's dive into this. And, you know, I don't act like I know every single person that is listening to the happy hour right now, but I can say, Erica, that a lot of our listeners are faithful followers of Jesus and they they go to church and it's important to them. But I also will say that we get messages from a lot of people who say like, I feel safe listening to your show because I don't want to go to church because I was hurt there. Or this 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 pastor let me down and so I enjoy your guests. And so there is that tension between women that you know because you've written about it. And so as we're talking about this, I, I want all of us to think like, this may be your particular life that you're living right now. Like you're like, I am leaving the church but also, as you're listening, you know women that are having these feelings and you know women that are having these thoughts. And so this message is important for us. So let's dive in. Uh, you can start with wherever you want about some of the things that you found. Why are women leaving the church in such staggering numbers?
2: Well, as you can expect, the church hurt and some of that trauma is you know, one of the factors that I found. And um, I am very sympathetic to anyone that has experienced that. I write about my own experience with that in the book. Um, a lot of people have a
1: familiar story to mine. Um, can you with- tell us that story? Yes, I can. Oh my gosh, it's very... I'm like feeling traumatic when I read it, just first of all. So <laughs> tell us that. Sorry. Well, I have, I have a I couple. to say I'm sorry for that. <laughs>
2: well, I have a couple. Which one are you talking... Are you talking about the... Uh, the, the Halloween
1: thing. The yeah. Hell House one? Oh, yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> like like okay. my heart
1: hurt for you.
2: Oh, I know. I was just reliving it on so Halloween you know, this
1: year. I co-host on The Relevant Podcast. And all around Halloween, we... I, I mean we're the kind of podcast where like, we make jokes about things that are actually serious, you know, like to help everybody keep, keep their laughter in their life. Right. And we always talk about these things that churches have done that have been really like scarring to youth. And we're not laughing because it's very traumatic, but we're all going like, wait, who thought this was okay? Like what's happening here? Okay. So I just set up your story. There you go. Yeah.
2: No, my sister and I were just talking about this the other day and we were like, they really did that, didn't they? Right. Um, but here, so here's what happened. It was, you know, close to Halloween and my youth group always did these, uh, special events where they would take us somewhere and not tell us where we were going. So we would pile into the youth group. That's band. traumatic,
1: by the way. You don't know where you're going. Get That's in the true. Car.
2: <laughs> That's even makes it even worse. So they take us out to like the woods, like the middle of. Wherever. Now there were houses around, but it felt like the middle of nowhere. And we pull up to this house. It's dark. And next thing we know, they tell us, okay, it's, you know, it's judgment day. We're going to, we're going to, you're going to walk in and it's going to be like, you're at the gates of heaven. And, and you know, this is your life. It's over. And here's what's going to happen. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And for whatever reason, they... For my turn, they said they read off the verse that, you know, says that if you want to follow me, you know, you must forsake your mother and father, which, of course, like, that's not what it means. You know, you have to get into some context here. But I was young and I didn't really know. And I I knew it was fake. But I also was like, well, I'm not going to say that I hate my parents. I just can't do that. And so I just was honest and was like, no. And then they were like, straight to hell. <laughs> I had to go through the door to hell. Um, then. And then of course it just led out to ev- where everyone else was. And they were trying to make a point of how, how serious this is. But looking back, I just feel like that's not the way to do it. <laughs> um, that's mm-hmm. not the way to compel anyone to follow Jesus. Right. Um, and I've heard a lot of these stories from others that went through the same thing I feel like the 90s were really toxic for this stuff
1: we were all about judgment day like yes don't have sex keep your legs closed and be prepared to make an account for all your life you know like I feel like that was the 90s you know absolutely and of course
2: purity culture is my other horror story so (laughs) did you write in the book did I miss it I Yes, I did write some about it. It's probably further into the book. But yeah, just that, I mean, just your typical purity culture experience, you know, being told that you're going to be used up like a piece of gum and that your virginity is the most valuable thing that you have. And just, you know, basically all sexual desire um, is bad and like, get it away. And, you know, that has followed me into, you know, my life and adulthood. I'm I have struggled with it. Um, I still struggle with it. I'm working through it, Um, but it's having like a pretty lifelong effect on me, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences You know, you and I both have experienced some of these things and, um, you know, even though I'm laughing, not, not at you or all the things, but like as we've been, you know lived some life, there's probably not many people who have been involved in any type of organization, church, business, PTA, school, whatever, where you haven't been hurt. And so it is this reality that we're facing with life. And so for you, as you talk about it and you have your own real experiences, I have mine everyone that's listening that's been in church probably has some church hurt as well what is your encouragement to women like if this is one of the reasons that they're leaving the church and we can all be sympathetic and go that really sucked that that happened to you and i'm really sorry and some of the instances that you have heard erica and i've heard although what you just said was very traumatic we can both say we've heard some really horrific stories of people that they've experienced in church and so how do you say you can still you still should be involved in church. Like, what is your response to that?
2: I know people don't like the word "should." <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> when you're talking about these things, and I and I I've been called out before um, for maybe not being as sensitive as as I should. But what I've discovered is that you know we we can't panic and we can't tell them, oh, but you've got to go back. You've got to go back. What I've learned is that you just you have to tell people like you you sometimes you need to take that time away. Um, you know it's still going to be there mm-hmm. um, you need to take that time to process and heal and try to figure out what is next for you but i also think and this is a big thing that i write about that there are so many um different ways of doing church these days and people are not considering those a lot of times i mm-hmm. i talk a lot about house churches and the house church movement that has really grown a lot lately um myself i have been part a part of an evangelical mega church and i'm currently part of like 150 member a small church. And I found that I much prefer that environment. Mm-hmm. And oh, people are intimidated to go somewhere new. People are intimidated if they were raised Catholic or Southern Baptist. It's hard to walk into a new place, whether it's a new church or a different denomination, because every church has its own things, its mm-hmm. own little rituals. Um, and so it can be scary. It can be hard and people put it off. But I really encourage people to just open their minds and consider, hey, maybe something different will work. Because what I found is people are not really, at least many people, I can't speak for all, but many people aren't really, it's not really God that they're angry at. It's not mm-hmm. really God that they have a problem with. It's the people that hurt yeah. them, which is understandable.
1: Understandable. Yeah.
2: Um, but I think what's so great is that um is that God and the Holy spirit shows up in such an incredible way inside of body believers. And in a way, I don't think he does really outside of that. I, I feel like it's his favorite place to be. Um, and so I I'm kind of rambling on here. So I'll let you ask another question.
1: No, I appreciate that. You said like, you know, the, the word should is hard and I think it's kind of a, um, to be sympathetic to people who've been through something really traumatic, it can be very, very difficult to step back into a church. And I think what you and I are both saying is like, we get that and maybe find, is there another type of church that you could try out? So you still get the benefits of the gathering with the fellowship of the believers. You still get the encouragement, um, all the things. Uh, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, um, as you have your church body that you love and I have my church body that I love, what does it look like and what is your encouragement for those of us who are thriving? in our church and we feel health, we feel like we're in a healthy spot. But to it, your, this conversation you're having and reading your book, it makes it reminds me to go every person that walks to this church on a Sunday morning, if it's their first time, we don't know what they're bringing with them. You know we don't know <laughs> what baggage they're bringing, what hurt they're bringing. What is your encouragement just to the believers that are there, how do we make sure that people feel welcome at our churches uh, not knowing where they might have been hurt before?
2: Yeah, well, I think we always need to walk into church sort of others minded. I love how um, I know you've had Rebecca McLaughlin on this podcast, and um, she tells a story of when she goes to church, she she chooses not to sit with her husband because she doesn't want to feel like I'm. Um, she's just talking to someone she knows. Um, when you're new at church, it is very intimidating. And when no mm-hmm. one talks to you, that's a big deal. And so that's why churches have sort of those five minute <laughs> hellos, whether you love them or hate them. That's why they're there. And so I think we always have to keep our eyes on who are the new faces that are walking through the door. That's, you know, you're going to lose that opportunity to welcome them and they may never walk back in if they don't feel welcome. It's one of the reasons we chose our church that we go to. We didn't know anybody. We had moved to a new town and we had tried. We had been church shopping, as they say. And uh, we walked in and after the service, we said, that was the most friendly, Mm -hmm. like welcoming in a church we have ever had. It was so kind. It was so warm and informative and just... We felt like cared for all the way around, and that's yeah. why we stayed. And so,
1: it makes a big difference—huge difference. You know, you mentioned church, church, and one of the one of the reasons that we see so many women leaving the church. What are what's another reason that you found in your research?
2: Yeah, uh, one of them is just busyness, overwhelm, life. Um, a lot of people, especially—I'm not just writing to people with kids, but people with kids. Like Sunday morning is sometimes literally the only reprieve in the week that they have. Um, it's go, go, go. Saturdays are soccer. And I mean, weekdays, you know how it is. Like when you have kids, like there is not a moment to breathe. And Sunday morning sometimes feels like the only time that you actually have to do that. And so a lot of times people just got out of the habit for that reason. But what's really interesting, and this is another one of those statistics that I was so fascinated by, is that women say that the, the, you know, this is according to some, I believe, some Barna research. But that women say the number one way, they, what they want to improve in their life is their faith life, is their mm. church life. And yet in the same survey, they found they're prioritizing it last. Mm. And so I saw that and I thought, okay, we, we just need to kind of have a conversation about this and have a conversation about priorities. What do you want? What really matters in your life? What can you switch around to actually get what it is you say that you want, because mm. we can always make exchanges. It's it's not that we don't have time. It's that we don't prioritize those things. And what's more important than honestly, the spiritual health and foundation of your life and of your family's life.
1: Mm. You know, and I think like I was just been in a busy season myself just recently and i go through busier seasons than normal but mine was busy from work and so you know three weekends in a row of traveling and then the kids and all the stuff and i texted aaron last sunday and my husband aaron is a pastor at our church he was leading worship and i was like listen i can't make it to church today I literally can't do it. And so, although there's a ton of grace there and I feel zero guilt over it, but I, I know exactly what that feels like. And so when I hear a woman say that, I'm like, I know what that feels like. And I love that your dad is like, okay, you want to improve your faith, but yet it's not becoming a priority. So what do we need to do that? Um, You know, you talked about, this wasn't obviously just for parents either, but single moms, like it's under that same bucket of like being really difficult to find the space to be able to get back into church. And um, I think if anything, COVID showed us in some ways, like we can watch church online. And, and I think church online is fabulous. It, it has a purpose. It reaches people that it needs, but it also allowed so many people to really get used to not going into a church building. Did you find that to be mm-hmm. true as well?
2: Yeah. And I believe that, um, as of, this is a, a little bit old information, but I think church attendance ha- is only back up to maybe 70% or so. Oh yeah, No, I believe COVID. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so people still haven't gone back. Now, I think some of those are people that they were going, but it wasn't really something that they truly valued in their lives. Mm. I think what we've seen in the past decade is a lot of cultural Christianity kind of being stripped away and people that were sort of going through the motions, they kind of go, oh, I guess I don't really need to go through the motions because Mm. church as an action is not really that important in our culture anymore. And so in a way that's not, that's not terrible. Um, If people are going and they're not, you know, getting anything out of it and they're not contributing anything. Like I think our churches are going to be healthier because we have people in there that want to be there that are discipling one another and all of that. But yes, COVID did reveal some of that. And you mentioned single moms. Um, that is one of the most vulnerable groups that I talk about in the book. Something like 70% or more, maybe 80% of single moms don't go to church. Um, for a variety of obvious reasons, you know, it's hard to get there. They're mm-hmm. working and sometimes they don't feel welcome or they just don't feel like there's something for them there. Mm. And the same goes for single women, single Christian women, just period. Single women um, are also one of the highest rates leaving the church. And that is because they often feel that churches cater more so to traditional families, which in a way makes sense. There may be more people that are in traditional families, but I think churches really need to be a lot more intentional about thinking about, Who are the individuals that are walking into church? Because every single person has a story and every single person, um, you know, needs like needs to have their needs met. Um, Not to say that church is all about meeting your needs. It's certainly like a two way thing, Um, but it's part of it as a church body.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I want to ask you about one more um, reason that you found. And it's a hard one because it's like, whoo! this we could do a whole podcast on it, but politics.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) What did you find in the data about politics and women leaving churches?
2: Um, It's definitely been a contributing factor. It's hard to sort of silo it out from all the other things. Like, it's really hard to get, like, clean and clear-cut statistics on it. But it's Mm -hmm. certainly been a conversation piece that, you know, I've been a part of, that you've been a part of in the past several years. And it's tough. It is tough because these are very controversial things and people think different things, But one thing that I suggest in my writing is um, (laughs) that pastors need to leave a door open or church leadership needs to leave a door open for those conversations. So I think there were a lot of churches maybe that completely like tried to just step over it and like mm-hmm. not deal with it. Yeah. Other churches, you know, kind of went straight on and turned people off like cuz they went like kind of almost mm-hmm. too far. Mm-hmm. Um but I think what's important is that people know that they can talk about these things, that they're allowed to get feedback from the church and they need feedback from the church on these issues because where are they going to get feedback? They're going to get it from the culture. Well, they need to have Uh, their pastoral leadership, like giving them some information so they have some guidance on this stuff. So I don't think there's a great answer. I think every church is different and you're going to kind of have to deal with that yourself, but I think you can't ignore it and you have to recognize, um, that it is detrimental to what to how your congregation is going to going to see your church.
1: Yeah, I have seen that. I've had that conversation with a lot of people over politics Um, one way or the other, like you said, either the church um, not addressing anything or the church addressing everything and really overstepping the lines of what a Mm -hmm. church should be doing with politics. Um, You know, as I was reading this and I was thinking the tagline for this book is why women need the church and the church needs women. And I guess, by that tagline you're writing to two different people you're writing to the women who are leaving and you're writing to the church about why we need the women uh but i want to ask you a hard question uh, it's not hard by any means but <laughs> which one were you really writing to in this book like i know you said you're writing to both of them but like who in your heart were you like i want to write to the women who feel like they've had to leave or i want to write to the church and say where why are all the women leaving where where were you leaning when you were writing this book
2: I was definitely leaning towards the women, um, although it's been a really happy sort of after effect to realize this is going to be helpful to churches. And some of the places that I'm um, actually doing guest articles for right now are these pastoral magazines and church leadership publications. Not something I even anticipated doing, but my publicity team has set it up and I'm like, actually, this is a great idea. <laughs> like they need to know this stuff. Which is why I also think that it's a great resource for churches to have and sort of if you're wondering why women are leaving your church, like you should get this book and read it mm-hmm. and grab a copy to just sort of reference here and there if you're wondering. Um, but but I can tell you exactly who I was thinking about. So when I wrote this book, they tell you when you're writing a book, think of one person, mm-hmm. you know, your target person. And one person that was really front of mind this entire time was my best friend. And she is someone, she grew up Catholic. Um, she hadn't been active in the church for a very long time. And I mean, I had been praying for her for years to get saved and go to church and all of these things, but I didn't write it thinking like that's what was going to happen. And this is a crazy story, but in the course of writing this book and not by my own any doing, um, she decided to start going to church. She didn't even know that I was like, you know, writing it about her, but yeah. she, start- she decided to start going to church and she got saved and became a Christian. And like, and I, at first I was like, I don't know, like, I need to know, like, is this real? But we've had a lot of conversation and she's like, yeah, I mean, I think that Jesus is my savior and he's the only one. And, um, she was talking in ways I'd never heard her talk before. I mean, in the past she had been like very sort of spiritual, but not religious. And just, you know, you could tell that it wasn't, it wasn't mm-hmm. a real thing. Um, so, I don't know what God was doing, but coincidence or not, I am overjoyed that this happened. That's amazing. Erica. amazed that this happened while I was writing this book for her. So God was working through that in some way. Um, And so I love you, Michelle. (laughs) Oh, yay, Michelle. We all love you, Michelle.
0: (laughs) Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that Dad made that sentiment and broke down, and years later he told me it had
1: a huge impact on him.
0: Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then
1: Uh, you know, even ask, asking you that, I, I thought that's what you were going to say. Um, and I assume that's what you're going to say. And as as I was reading it and I was thinking, man, what a great book for church leadership to be able to, to really get a grasp on, like, wh- why are so many women vacating the church? Um, but I also want to ask you to speak to the women who are listening who do feel super hurt and who have left the church. And you do that in here. So I want you to speak to them here on the show, really, and say, like, what are your reasons knowing all the reasons that women are leaving the church and you list them out and you're very empathetic and sympathetic towards all of them um you're not it's not a slam on anybody it's none of that is here but then i would like for it to hear you encourage like why would you encourage a woman to go back to church to think about maybe stepping out there again
2: well it breaks my heart that You've been hurt by the church. Um, and what I always think of is that it breaks God's heart more than anybody else. Like he is angry on your behalf. Like that wasn't representative of him. And, you know, justice will come. Right. (laughs) And so, first of all, that's what I would say. And secondly, I would go back to just the idea that church is not we have this idea of church you know I talk about that in the book it's like a big white building or it's Mm -hmm. you know this image that we have of it in our childhood um but as you know Jamie and a lot of people are learning more and more these days like church the original word for church is ecclesia and that is a gathering of people and the bible says when two or three are gathered that that's church and so I don't know about you, but I've had church underneath a um, a tree in Africa. I have had church in a tin roof hut in Venezuela. Um, I have had church, you know, outside in a field. <laughs> and so I would say, let's renegotiate, like, what do we, what even is church? And it doesn't have to look like that place that you went before. Um, you know, something I write about in the book is is this concept called schema, where when we've been through a trauma, our brain immediately when we enter a situation that, you know, has any connection to that trauma, our brain immediately goes like to fight or flight. Mm. And um, what's really important for people that have gone through traumas is to rewire their brains to say, not every situation that I go into is, is that same trauma. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to get into a car accident every time I get into a car. Um, You know, I'm not going to be hit by every man that I meet. And that is exactly the same process that we may need to go through when we've been through a church trauma. Um, mm-hmm. And I think many times we leave this and then it gets infected and then it gets worse. Um, when in reality, we can process through some of these things. And also we don't have to go back to that same situation. That is the original tagline for this book was the church of your past doesn't have to be the church of your future. So I was like, you don't have to go back there. Please Mm -hmm. don't go back there. There are abusive churches. Like there are unhealthy churches and I don't want you to go there. And I actually have like a bunch of resources where I talk about like, here are some red flags. And if you're looking for a new church, consider this because there's nothing wrong with walking out the door. If you find something that you're uncomfortable with.
1: That is so encouraging. I know that's going to be helpful for so many people. Erica, uh, thank you for this book. You guys, it comes out on the 17th, which is in uh, two weeks, I think. Why Women Need a Church and the Church Needs Women. The book is called Reason to Return. You guys can pick it up. Erica, I would love to hear what are you reading?
2: Jamie wants to know. Jamie wants to know. We want to know what you're reading. Absolutely. Um, I am reading the book. I'm glad my mom died. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I know it sounds weird. It's called. It's called. I'm glad my mom died. It's by Jeanette McCurdy, and she was um, on the cast of iCarly. It's it's really crazy because I never watched that show. It was like not in my age group at all. Yeah, me it neither. On there with like Ariana Grande and um, all of those people. Yeah. Anyway, she had a very traumatic upbringing. Her mom was. um very mentally ill and there's a lot of abuse going on, but she's an amazing writer. This book has like been on number one bestseller list for months. And I heard her on a podcast and I was like, all right, I've heard so much about this book. I've got to get it. And it is really good. And there's actually a lot I resonate with because she talks about the years she went through an eating disorder and all this stuff. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it's a great memoir if you're looking for one. And then I'm also reading Everyday Theology (laughs) by Mary Wiley. Um, because I am just sort of getting obsessed with theology right now because I think it's so important. And that's a whole other conversation.
1: I love Mary Wiley. And so, um, I love the stuff she's doing. Uh, I'm reading, um, Long Obedience in the Same Direction.
2: Uh, I have that on my stack. It's
1: my first time to ever read it. Like everyone's like, I can't believe you've never read it before.
2: I know everyone tells me to read that. <laughs>
1: so good it's so good um well erica thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it thank you for listening to the happier for so long that makes me giddy and i'm gonna be happy thank for you. the rest of the day so thank <laughs> you so much for for being a listener um and you guys i think i just want to resonate with what erica said if you're listening and you are coming to church with, with like hurt and pain and um wondering if there's a place for you I just want you to know that you don't have to go back to the same. The church of your present doesn't have to be the church of your past. Is that what your that what your tagline was? The church of your past doesn't have to be the church of your future. There you go. Love it. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Love it. We'll we'll leave everybody with that. Erica, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivy. Produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Edited by Angie Elkins. Show notes by Ashley Minor. Art by Jen Jet Barrett. Original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend.
0: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out, to the later years of still figuring it out.